Welcome to the Urban Wine Club podcast. Pour a glass, sit back, and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our first cocktail webinar series of 2021. I'm your host, Foti Stamos, and as always with me, my main man, Ari Kalos. Hello, hello. How is everybody doing? We're doing great. And what a better way, Ari, to kick off 2021 yes. with our good friend, Kayla Quigley of Florida Kanya. Welcome to the Cocktail webinar, Kayla, thank you so much for once again. Welcome back. Um, and we were just discussing this earlier. Our very first cocktail webinar was with Kayla. Yes, and Kayla was amazing and our first one ever and then our first one in 2021. So she's our good luck charm and I'm so happy. Whoa, to whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I feel like you guys are setting the bar all the way up here, which is not entirely fair to these poor souls who are watching. <laughs> it's all because of you, Kayla. Let's let's just uh, agree on that. But uh, no, we, you know, this helped jumpstart our webinar series because thanks to that segment, believe it or not, uh, we got a lot of great interest from other brands and other um, uh, representatives who wanted to join us and dive into this series. And for the most- and we got a lot of great feedback. I mean, just from Kayla, yeah. her presentation, the information she brought, everything, the whole package was just great. And we thank you so much, Kayla. Yeah. Oh, thank you guys. You're very sweet. Thank definitely. you. So I want to definitely, um, uh, again, thank you for joining and taking time to be with us as always you know we feel that you're part of the the uh, urban wine family and uh, we have lots to explore for the rest of the year we'll talk about that later on in the segment mm-hmm. i want to thank all of our guests that are joining us uh, this evening on a thursday night here in february uh during well we're up here in the northeast you know we just came off a pretty big snowstorm you know we're still cooped up you know we still can't really go out and uh, it's been a joy being able to explore uh, what we could do at home with family and friends with all these demonstrations. And besides the demonstrations, you know, this has become an eye-opening experience of learning and, and educating ourselves more about uh, the the categories and the products that we're featuring here with all of our participants. And, you know, prior to Kayla kicking off our first webinar series back in uh, the summer, you know, I was an occasional rum drinker as the rest of my group was as well, you know, and that occasional rum drink was mojitos. And uh, we've learned from you, Kayla, that it's more than just that when it comes to rum. And we also want you to give our guests that are joining us this evening, we can discuss a little bit of a breakdown of what rum really is. And then we can go into what, you know, Florida Kanye and the history behind that. And then we can go into the demo of the cocktails that you're going to show us this evening. Yeah, that's perfect. Um, Yeah, and I think that you hit the nail on the head, right? Like, so most people assume that rum has to be in sort of like the standards, right? So what are your standard cocktails for rum? The mojito is the first thing that comes to mind. Um, And usually some sort of like a really overly sweet frozen daiquiri or like a Chinese restaurant Mai Tai, right? Like something that is just so packed with sugar and too many ingredients for you to really actually taste the rum. and I think what we're finding right now, which is really interesting as a category at large, is that rum is kind of being perceived now as a sipping spirit, right? Like where we had the whiskey boom, I'm sure you guys dealt with it as well. We had this big whiskey bourbon boom where people were dying to get their hands on certain bottlings because they were drinking it neat and on the rocks. And there were sort of these like aficionados who were appreciating the particular spirit. What we're finding right now is that people are finding the value in rum. Because as an aged spirit, which most people don't assume that it is an aged spirit, it's lights out and every rum tastes so different. So it is a truly global spirit, which we can definitely get into a little bit um, in terms of the production and all of that. But it's it's a very diverse spirit category. Um, and so I mean, I'm, I'm very excited that we're I'm working with Florida Canyon that we're kind of coming up in this, you know, sort of era of the premiumization of rum uh, as we're appreciating it again as a sipping beverage and cocktail spirit of course sure i mean we've you know we've seen so many uh lately well before i can before covid we've seen so many cocktail uh programs and cocktail lists at different bars and lounges and we're starting to see a bigger presence of uh cocktails being made with a variety of different rums so that's a good sign to show that you know uh how to actually get people or consumers to actually explore and try cocktails with well-made rum absolutely and i think that because again it's that misconception right like there's 
people assume that rum has to be this like sugary, sweet, over the top. I can only drink it on an island or in a tiki drink that's poorly made. You know, we're kind of breaking those boundaries and people are appreciating it as a sipping spirit, as a nice cocktail spirit. And it plays very well, which we'll explore today a little bit, but it plays very well in some of your standard cocktails, right? So like a rum old fashioned, for example, a rum Manhattan, those are just beautiful, simple stirred cocktails that allow the actual rum itself to shine just like it would with a whiskey of whatever category. Um, so it's, I think that's a really good vehicle to get people to appreciate it is through standard cocktails that they already know. And, and Kayla, can you just break down for us real quickly for our guests, what rum is? Yeah, sure. Um, it's a great question, right? We should start there. Uh, so rum in a general sense uh, and by like EU definition of what makes rum is it is a sugarcane distillate. Um, and so to break that down further, ultimately what happens is you have sugarcane. I do apologize in advance. My dog is going to be barking in the background. Um, so he chooses today to start to scream right at like 7 p.m. Um, so it is a sugarcane distillate. So ultimately what that means is you harvest sugarcane, which is basically a big, tall grass that grows in equatorial climates in these really warm cli- uh, climates. And so ultimately what happens is you cut down that sugarcane. When you press it, you get liquid sugar out of the sugarcane. From there, we refine the sugar. So basically think of like a centrifuge uh, and you refine the sugar to basically be table sugar, like what you would put in your coffee, what we bake with, those sort of things. There are different standards of sugar. Um, So for example, you would have like turbinado sugar is not quite as refined as white sugar that you might find and put in your coffee, right? Mm. Um, And then from there, what you're left with is this really kind of underutilized product, which is molasses. It's the byproduct of sugar refining. And so in the rum world, what we do 90% of the time, rums are made from molasses as their base. So what we do is we take the molasses, we thin it out with a little bit of water, and we add yeast. And that yeast eats all of the sugars that is in the molasses, right? So it starts to ferment. So basically, you make like a sugar beer, for lack of a better term. So that sugar beer is then distilled. And so distilling is just the refining process all the more to make it a little bit more of a higher alcohol content right? And get rid of all of those impurities. And then from there, we enjoy rum. Rum can either come off of the still, right? So we say off the still, meaning that it was just freshly distilled. And it's clear. 100% of the time, if you distill something, it's going to be clear. No color, no additives, nothing like that, right? So when it comes off the still, that's what you would kind of assume to be a white rum, right? Unaged, a little hot, so kind of hard to drink, right? A little bit boozy, for lack of a better term, alcohol content. Uh, and then the other option from there is that you can then age it. I know you like this. <laughs> and then from there, you can age it, which is typically what you find now is we're talking about sipping spirits and these cocktail spirits. People are getting excited about the aging with rum, which we'll talk about for Florida kind specifically. So that's kind of rum in a nutshell. Um, there are many different styles of rum because it is a very global spirit. Uh, it can be made anywhere that sugarcane grows. But typically speaking, there's three different styles of rum. Uh, so you have Spanish style, which is typically a drier style. It's like Florida Caña. So it's an aged, dry style of rum, not a lot of residual sugar, um, and drinks very much like a whiskey and a bourbon. And you have your English style. English style rums are typically a little bit bigger in what we call mouthfeel, right? So they kind of like take over a little bit more of your mouth while you're drinking it. And they have more body. And then from there, you also have French styles of rum, which are like grassy. They're really funky. And the reason for that is because they take fresh sugarcane juice, they don't refine it, and then they ferment that. So that's the difference between those styles. Can I ask a quick question? Um, of course. You mentioned all these different locations of style of rums. Mm-hmm. What about, can you just tell us real quickly, what about rums that are being made here in the U.S.? So those vary in different styles, right? Mm-hmm. So like we have an amazing craft representation, obviously up here in New England, right? Yeah. Um we don't have sugarcane up in New England. <laughs> it doesn't grow here. Um, so it really depends. Like We're outsourcing, right? These craft distilleries that are located here are outsourcing for their molasses or for their sugarcane across the board, right? So they get to kind of pick what style they're going to produce. Most of them are producing English or Spanish style. Okay. Excellent. Kayla, also, can I, ask a, can I ask a question? Uh, I don't want to put you on the spot, but Fati... Please do. <laughs> Fati told me that... Uh, Everybody knows about the great uh, molasses uh, tidal wave that swept through Boston way back when. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows the story. Oh, I've heard it my whole entire life, but I didn't know that the molasses was here, according to Fati, 
for run production. Is that is that something yeah. that you could verify? Yeah, so it's actually like not to like derail from the general conversation of cocktails, but in terms of a really nerdy, nerdy history thing, uh, which makes me very excited. During colonization within the Caribbean, right? Like if you go back to like your fourth grade textbooks, right? We have like the, the you know, import export trade, we'll call it, right? Um, you know, for political, for political reasons. Uh, you know, we have this trade triangle. And ultimately what was happening is that you had these global superpowers of France, the Dutch, the English, and the Spanish that were all taking over the Caribbean and looking for different things. Uh, ultimately what ended up happening is that these English colonies or these English settlements within the Caribbean were kind of this forced monoculture, for lack of a better term, because what they found is that they could create an insane sugar refining process on these islands. Keep in mind, England, horrible weather, just like here in New England, they don't have sugarcane. So previous to the discovery of the Caribbean and sugarcane, they were using like beet sugar and all these really not so sweet ingredients to sweeten their foods, right? So can you imagine the discovery of sugar? Holy crap, <laughs> mind blowing, right? So ultimately what was happening is that they were refining so much sugar and sending it back to the mainland that what ended up happening is they were just shipping molasses off to the 13 colonies and to the U.S., which wasn't the U.S. at the time. Uh, and so basically what they were doing is they were saying, like, this is waste. We don't want it. We're just going to give it to the colonies here in the mainland in the U.S. And then what ended up happening is we got really kind of shifty about it and started making rum from the molasses. We were like, well, if we leave this out long enough, the natural yeast is going to ferment and we know how to distill. So they just started distilling rum. Um, by the, I think it's like 1820, there were about 70 active rum distilleries in Boston. Wow. Yeah. So it, there's a huge history that just kind of has to do with this, you know, basically a wasted byproduct. And I think... Um, so, so did that, did that uh, molasses disaster set us back? Well, I think what Ari's referencing is like, I think it was in the early 20s in the North End. Yeah, the molasses flood. The yeah. flood where so, like... Yeah. So did that did that set rum production in Boston back because they lost so much? I mean, I would imagine. I I didn't live it, but <laughs> I imagine. Not quite as old as Fosi. Happy birthday, Fosi. Uh, so. Oh, it's Fosi's birthday today. Everybody wish him happy birthday. I wasn't going to get away with it, was I? No, you weren't. You weren't. Uh, you were not. He is 75, um, everyone, just so you know. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I can't speak exactly to that particular historical event, but, I mean, it was a huge industry in Boston and just along the East Coast in particular uh, yes. due to, you know, obviously. The- it's just I, ne- I never actually knew that. And when he mentioned mm-hmm. it, I was like, oh, my God, I, I've always known about the event, but I never actually put two and two together. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting when you get into sort of the, the trade history and all of that for molasses in particular. Um, and the phrase no taxation without representation is actually linked to the rum trade in molasses because essentially the British colony, like the, you know, the, the British motherland was basically trying to get away with taxing products that they were just not actually supposed to be taxing. <laughs> See, Fati, this is why I love Kayla because you don't just get the cocktail like uh, demonstration. I'm a nerd. This is the full experience, right? And too nerdy. <laughs> no, no, it's awesome. I well, this, love it. This, listen, this is what it's all about. It's an experience. It's beyond, you know, having you know pretty faces and knowledgeable people and great techniques. It's also the experience of being able to bring something to the table that really inspires, educates, um, and all that that goes into an experience. So for us, that's what it's all about. And I'm sure Kayla knows that from this point on. I love it. I love the, you know, why do we drink and how do we drink and why do we drink the way that we drink? I think it's very, very important. So excellent. Right, well, I, I pause my nerdiest. <laughs> I'm sorry for, for getting into the, the, the history side, but you can continue. I just wanted to. I pause my nerdiness now. <laughs> so let's move. So let's move on from, you know, we, we, you know, we discussed what rum is, but let's talk about Florecaña. I mean, you know, that's sure. for me, it's, you know, one of the, um, the products and brands that I always recommend to folks that are, whether they're in our restaurants uh, or is on the shelf at, at a, you know, nice hotel bar, lounge, uh, restaurant, or your local spot that um, folks have seen the bottle. They've seen its unique shape. But tell us a little bit more about Florecaña and its history. 
Yeah, so it's a really unique history. So, I mean, the rum history in general uh, dates back over 400 years, right? Like, again, we're talking about colonization and all of these things within the Caribbean. Uh, and really, that's when we start to kind of see rum come to more of a global understanding and a historical sort of moment. Um, so in the grand scheme of rum at large, we're actually not that old. However, we're 130 years old. So Florida Caña is from Nicaragua. Uh, so we're in Central America. Uh, and where we're located and where we distill is in this beautiful little pocket in the northwest corner of uh, Nika. And so what happens there is we have this beautiful volcano called the San Cristobal. And the San Cristobal is the most active volcano in Nicaragua. So that's going to be important for a couple of reasons when we discuss sort of the process of Florida Caña and how it's made. Um, but just kind of keep that in the back of your mind. Uh, so our founder came from Genoa, Italy. Uh, to Nicaragua had no intention of making rum, uh, was actually in it for more of a sort of commercial trade route, uh, which then became the Panama Canal. Um, that's a de very different story, and a very long story uh, for another day on our history lesson. Uh, and ended up settling in Nika and said, all right, let me open up a sugar mill. So we opened up the sugar mill in 1890. So we are celebrating 130 years, which is very, very exciting for us. Uh, and our founder, who I affectionately call Papa Pelas, uh, ended up making rum just to celebrate the harvest. It was not for any commercial purposes. It was just because. Uh, and what they found is that they actually had a really great product for a couple of reasons, right? In the wine world, y'all talk about terroir all the time, right? Like, and maybe maybe you guys can kind of just give a quick little description of like, what is a one word line for terroir if somebody comes in and asks you in wine terms? Like, how would you define that for your for your pals? I mean, as far as the, the term terroir, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's for me, when I think of terroir and someone else like, what does that mean? It's basically everything. It's, it's about your environment and it's yeah. about the energy that's around you or surrounds you. So it could be the combination of soil, climate, um, um, just, you know, the location that you're at uh, in geographically um, levels, how high, you know, elevation, mm -hmm. um, all these things contribute to, I think, uh, the term terroir. It's basically what compromises this whole environment, this bubble. Sometimes I look at it as a bubble. I um, think that's perfect. Right? Bubble is the perfect think of it. Like, and in terms of what, I think that's perfect. I mean, in terms of what Florida Canyon does and, and where we're located, where we've got Pacific winds coming in. So we have hot winds. We've got 37,000 acres of sugarcane. And then we have this really hot volcano. So we've got this little, like, little microclimate or bubble where we're located. So it ends up being really, really important to us in terms of our sugarcane growth and the aging. So again, flashback to about 1890, when our founder opened up this sugar mill, it was very small, right? We didn't have this kind of grandiose idea of what we were gonna be. They found out that with this given terroir, they actually were able to produce some really great rum. So flash forward 130 years, uh, the Pelas family still owns Florida Caña, uh, which is very, very unique. Uh, about three in 10,000 companies make it to fifth generation in any industry, not in the spirits world in particular, just in any industry at large. So we are, Eduardo, who is our current owner now, uh, has our current CEO. He has two sons. I'm sure that one of them, if not both, will be working for Florida County down the line. Uh, and there are no statistics on a sixth generation family. So we would be one of the first global brands to have a sixth generation ownership. Uh, so we're very proud of the fifth generation ownership and looking forward to that. Um, so definitely a, a differentiating factor. That's a lot factor. of pressure on those kids. Those poor kids, man. Those poor kids. <laughs> um, so They're going to drive them to drink. <laughs> Good thing that's what we do. Uh, so, uh, so we flash over to 130 years. Uh, so Florida Canyon, the way that we are produced, is that we take, again, that sugar, right? We have 37,000 acres of sugar cane now. We've definitely expanded over the years. We are single estate still to this day. And now, again, what does single estate mean? It just means that we control the process from field to bottle, essentially. So everything that happens in our sugar refining, everything that happens in the field when we're actually harvesting the sugar cane, through to the refining process at our sugar mill, through to the molasses and fermentation process, all the way through distillation, all the way through aging, all the way through bottling, we oversee all of it, uh, which is huge and a huge distinguishing factor for Florida Caña. Coming back to your question about like these craft distilleries here, right? In the US, they cannot be single estate. They don't know where that sugarcane is necessarily coming from. They don't know what the conditions are in that particular space. 
Uh, so that's kind of a leg up for us and something that we're very proud of. When we produce our rum, we do so with 100% renewable energy. Uh, we are the most sustainable rum brand globally in the world. Uh, so for us to be a global brand distributed in 70 plus countries and be the most sustainable in the world is something we're very proud of. Um, and this is certified by a million other third parties. But the one that we actually care the most about is fair trade. Uh, so we are the only global spirit to be fair trade certified. And last year, 2020, we received our carbon neutral uh, certification. So we're the only spirits brand globally to have both. Well, so we're hey, pumped. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, we're very, very excited about it. Um, so sustainability is really at the core of what we do. Uh, so in terms of how we produce our rum, we take the sugar cane. As I was saying earlier, we take our sugar cane, we press, we refine. There's a byproduct of that, pro that process, which is the leftover husks from the actual sugar cane, like the stalks themselves. We take that and we chop that up. It's called the gas. We take that and then we, from there, burn that and that powers a steam turbine. Oh. That steam turbine is what powers our entire distillery. So oh. distilled with 100% renewable energy. When we oh. go into fermentation, it's a super, it's a really unique process. <laughs> and then from there we go into our uh, fermentation. There's two things that happen when you ferment a product, right? You get alcohol and you get CO2, right? The bubbling that happens on top of those fermentation tanks. Uh, most companies will just have open air fermentation, which is fine. Uh, however, that CO2 is kind of a nasty byproduct for the environment. And so we have closed fermentation tanks and we actually collect the CO2 that comes off. We use a separate company called Carbox. And what they do is they collect it basically in these propane tanks, like, you know, giant gas tanks. And they sell it back to beer and soda companies in Nika. So there's zero waste in our fermentation. That's amazing. Oh my God. So zero waste. Uh, and then from there, we go into distillation. We distill five times. And the reason that that's important is because we're stripping away those really gnarly, like sort of alcohol tastes, right? We've all had bad alcohol before, <laughs> like, whether, like, whether we wanted to or not. We've all had that like, uh, oh my God, it burns going down. It's horrible. <laughs> Um, a buddy of mine who is not in the rum world, he's in the gin world. He, uh, one of the distillers for Sipsmith, if you guys have worked with him, uh, Jared Brown told me, uh, good spirits warm and bad spirits burn. And what? so I thought that was a really, really unique way to be like, okay, yeah. I, can, I can understand that. Like alcohol shouldn't be completely neutral, right? For our bodies. Um, but if, it, well, if we have if you're, that. If you're going to actually, uh, get remove paint. Yes. Yes. Then yes. <laughs> Uh, so good spirits warm, bad spirits burn. And I think that that applies to all spirits in all categories. Um, and then so from there, that's why we distill the five times. So it's a really clean, non-ethanol on the nose or on the palate or anything like that. And then we go into aging. Um, and so we age from four years, which is our youngest rum that we produce, all the way up to 30 years, uh, which is where we can really extract the most out of a barrel. Uh, we use all ex-bourbon barrels, uh, reason being that for those of you that know or do not know, uh, if you are producing bourbon, it has to be, in order to age it, it has to be new American oak. So think of the bourbon world and how big that is. There's a lot of barrels that can be used again. So we repurpose those barrels and they actually kind of have this really nice vanilla char. There's a flavor that exists within that barrel. So we finish our rum with those barrels. We have a cooperage on site as well. So it's not that we just get the barrels, and then we just throw rum in them. We actually recoup and repurpose the barrels. We'll rebuild them as well. Any barrels that we can't use, any staves that are cracked or broken or what have you, we turn into furniture and we sell. Whoa. So it's no, a you, full. You guys are like the overachievers of like every single thing you're doing. Like it's I don't know like, if you know this, but we're like super sustainable. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Like you guys are like my favorite company. Like. Aside from the fact that you make really good rum, just listening to this makes you my favorite company. It helps that it's delicious. It does help. <laughs> I mean, I'm saying, like, I know that it's delicious because I've, I've from our very first uh, cocktail webinar with you, and Foti graciously gave me some of your best stuff, and it was amazing. What a guy. But just, yeah, and, you know, the birthday guy. I love it. And... <laughs> But aside from that, just listening to this whole like story about about your company and the history of it, it it really is very impressive. And I'm very why important. why wouldn't you support and drink a product? Yeah, what Kayla just said. Yeah, 
which I mean, we'll, we'll talk additionally about like the sustainability portion and that sort of thing. Like, obviously it's near and dear to our hearts. And, you know, we, over the past 130 years, we've had to kind of hone in on that as being something that was really important to us. And like at the core of the ethos of our brand, right? Like, so it's not that it's always been like this, but we're, we're trying to set the standard and kind of move in that direction. And I would argue that we are setting the standard for the spirits world with that. Um, and then coming back, like, you know, I mean, Ari, we talked about it last time as well. Like, the fair trade certification is so important for us. And it's such a distinction because again, let's just be pretty frank about it. The rum trade and the rum rum history is not exactly a pleasant one. It is like rife with social injustice to say the least. Uh, and it is, you know, it's, it's got a pretty gnarly history. Um, and so fair trade for us is really important because what fair trade accounts for is sort of this holistic understanding and sort of accountability, right? So it's in three parts. So the first part is environment, right? So all of the things we just talked about for renewable energy and the uh, carbon neutral and all of these things, thumbs up, we tick the box on the, you know, on the environmental. But there's also two components that are really important, which is our community, who lives where we produce this rum, right? Who's around us? Who's a part of the Florida Caña family outside of the Pelas family members? Uh, and then from there, who is actually making the rum, right? So the employees. Uh, so they take this into consideration when they're consider or when they're, you know, developing and certifying these companies. And so for us, we hit the mark for all three because we're single estate. So we can control the entire process from field to bottle, right? And which gives us our fair trade certification or at least a leg up in gaining that fair trade certification. So the environmental we've already discussed, the community portion of it, being fair trade, if you think back on like, who is fair trade? What are the brands that are fair trade that come to mind? Both Diari, can you think of like any particular oh, brands? Like specifically? The coffee industries have been promoting a lot of fair trade. Yeah. I, think Starbucks, I was going to say like, yeah. off the top of my head, I can't name a brand. The, but the like, only reason why I know this is because I drink, I spend about $30 a day in Starbucks and it's been planted in my head <laughs> that that's what so, that's what comes to mind. Yeah. Starbucks is one of the first companies I think about fair trade. Yep. But I think there's also other comp- uh, coffee companies also that follow that suit as well. Um, yes. I'm not. I'm just trying to think outside of the coffee industry. I mean, it's so the coffee industry is a perfect example, right? So because and it's it's a great lead into what I was about to say because you think about Starbucks when Starbucks opened, they were charging a significant penny for a cup of coffee, but oh, the yeah. reason was is that they were charging a premium for a fair trade brand. And so what people were understanding or weren't understanding is that essentially what was happening is that your cup of coffee, the person who actually farmed those coffee beans got a kickback from that cup of coffee, right? right? And so that's the same thing that happens with Florida Caña. So we charge a quote unquote premium for our rum because we're fair trade, that money goes back to the people who actually produce the rum. So it's really, really important for us as well. So that's a part of the community aspect. Um, and we, the Florida Kanye family does not see that money. We are not intervening with that at all. That is between fair trade and the community. So we don't see that at all. Um, and then in terms of the employees, uh, just to kind of like really hit it home, um, you have free schooling and free healthcare for anybody that works for Florida Kanye, wow. uh, which is huge. So, and this isn't a new development. So the free schooling has been since 1913. So we have a, over a hundred year history of free schooling. So if you work for Florida Caña and you have two kids, guess what? They can now go to school for free at a top line school in Nika all the way through high school, which wouldn't have necessarily been an opportunity that was afforded unless you were working for a company like Florida Caña. In 1956, we opened up the company hospital. Uh, and so our master distiller, uh, Tomas Cano, born in the company hospital, has worked for Florida Caña for... 33 years uh, and went to the company school. Like, so just like an amazing sort of full circle situation there. Um, Since I know you personally, even though we've never met. We're best friends. It's fine. Uh, How can you hook me up and get me a job over there? Uh, It's okay. You can have, uh, I'm not going to give you my job. I was going to say, I'll give you my job, but I love my job too much. (laughs) It's okay. I'll let, we'll we'll have an offline chat about how we can get you set (laughs) up over there. You might have to relocate to Nika, but that's totally fine. <laughs> it's beautiful. I'll do it. I'll do it. It sounds so good. Like I'm there. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so, I mean, these are a lot of things that, uh, you know, just kind of differentiate the brand, right? So again, like 
being fifth generation family owned, soon to be, or hopefully soon to be sixth generation, uh, being distilled with 100% renewable energy, being carbon neutral, which is huge for us, the fair trade certification, uh, all of this is huge. Um, and everything that we talk about is always certified by a third party. So it's not just me talking out of my ass. I promise that. <laughs> you know, I think like there's a lot of like sort of a big brands uh, fluff that can go into these things. Uh, but this is all certified by third parties. And I'm happy to share that with you guys if you want the documentation for our sustainability as well to share with awesome. anybody else who is here. Wow. I mean, this is uh, this is so much to, uh, you know. We haven't even made cocktails yet. On that note, let's uh, segue our way into the cocktails. Because I see a lot of good stuff on your table there. Oh, this is all just for display. Right? <laughs> that's, just your, that's just your average everyday table, right? <laughs> yeah, this is just a pretty standard table. It's nothing crazy. Uh, this is my, it's like kind of my breakfast setup. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, today we're going to do three cocktails today. Uh, so kind of like fly through them. Um, we just introduced and thank you guys so much over at Course Up and Urban Wine Club, obviously, for supporting. Uh, we have introduced a new SKU for Florida Caña, which is our espresso. Uh, espresso without the E. Uh, so <laughs> it's espresso. Yes. Yeah, so Florida Caña Espresso. Uh, so this is our aged rum. So it's a seven year as a base, which is very interesting for anything cordial or coffee liqueur or anything like that. Usually it's something really neutral, right? It's like a vodka base and it's not an aged product. The difference here is that this is an aged product with coffee concentrate from local farms and then the sugarcane syrup from our uh, sugar mill. So it is a, a very sweet product uh, in comparison to the rest of our rums, which add no sugar. And again, certified as such. Uh, so I wanted to introduce this by making a little rum espresso martini because I think the espresso martini is kind of like a bastardized sort of cocktail. <laughs> I hate to say it, right? Like there's so many versions of an espresso martini. Um, and I think it's a really simple, simple cocktail to produce. Uh, and so I wanted to just kind of quickly cover cocktail basics with this cocktail, if that's all right by you guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. Heck yes. Um, so when we're making a cocktail, um, essentially the easiest thing to think about is that a cocktail should be roughly three ounces for most of your classic cocktails. Without any ice or dilution, you're usually building to about three ounces. And what I mean by that is all of the ingredients that go into your cocktail should be three ounces in total before you shake or stir. Pretty straightforward. Um, and then if you dilute correctly by shaking or stirring, then you should have about five ounces in total at the end. So that's why most of your cocktail like glasses, such as the Nick and Nora that I have here, is going to be a five ounce glass or your coupe. Right. We've seen this guy. It's not the like 1990s, you know, giant Cosmo martini glass. Right. That's like your 12 ounce. Basically, Kayla, you're, you're, you're telling us that there's a, a reason for the size of these glasses. It's crazy. I know. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> I'm not trying to like jip well, you out on like any or like, you know, give you well, less of a cocktail. Ari's biggest complaint when we go out is why are these glasses so small? Well, also, you got to think about it, too. Like, think about the design of the glassware, which is a totally different, con like, tangent that I would go on. Uh, but you don't want your cocktail to get cold or to get warm. You want to enjoy it as it's properly being served to you. So just order another one. Just drink it. <laughs> Stop complaining and just order another one. Just open a tab. Uh, don't be cheap. Yeah, just open the tab. <laughs> Grow up. Open a tab. <laughs> um, so on on his credit card, by the way. Oh, yeah. Fuzzy said he's got it for you. Um, so, <laughs> so this cocktail is really, really straightforward. This is the espresso martini. Uh, so we're going to start with the Florida Caña espresso. And I'm just going to do one ounce into my cocktail tin. Oop, done. One ounce. Uh, and then typically, I'm sure that you've had, uh, you know, espresso martini is probably made with vodka, right? Most people do it with vodka. Um, and I'm not going to. We're going to use our 12-year rum. Uh, this is aged in ex-bourbon barrel, which is what's imparting that color and that uh, flavor as well. And I'm going to do equal parts. So just one ounce here as well, right into the tin. Notice that I'm not adding ice yet uh, because if I go off on a tangent, or if I forget something and I walk away, it's going to dilute as I'm producing the drink. And I don't want it to over dilute. So I never add ice into my tin or into my cocktail shaker until I'm ready to actually shake. Because uh, ice is so, so important to a cocktail. Uh, you know, you should really have about 30% dilution, give or take on most of your cocktails arguably. Um, and that's a whole separate conversation on an ice tangent that I can go off on. Um, so, so far we've got our rum as our base. We have our espresso liqueur. Um, and then we're going to add some espresso. This is unsweetened. 
Um, I'm only going to add a half an ounce because there's a lot of coffee flavor already in here, but I want the bitter from the espresso itself. So just a half an ounce right in as well. And then uh, we have the pleasure today of using these dope syrups and juices from Cheeky, which is a company that's out of uh, Brooklyn, kind of like created by bartenders for bartenders, that sort of thing. Um, but to kind of simplify the at-home cocktail, you know, situation. So if you don't want to make simple syrup, if you don't want to make lemon juice, which is super wasteful because of obviously we don't have citrus up here growing in like citrus groves. Um, it's a really nice way to kind of hone in on the sustainability factor by ordering a already pre-pressed lemon juice or pre-pressed lime juice for mint syrup or simple syrup or what have you. Um, so I'm using their simple syrup, which is just sugar and water. Very, very straightforward. And I'm adding a half an ounce of that into my cocktail tin. Easy peasy. And then from there, ice into my tin. You don't want to be stingy on the ice. Again, you want it to be properly chilled and properly diluted. And then I'll lock my tin. You might be using a Boston shaker, which will have the glass on the other side, uh, which is totally fine. These are just different styles. Uh, they do the exact same thing. Uh, and then when you're shaking, what you want to do is essentially you want the ice to hit both sides, right? So like this is not a shake. It's kind of lame. I've seen that a million times, right? You want to like clack it. <laughs> and it sounds silly, but you'll be able to hear the ice kind of get soft, right? It'll start to break up. And that's when you want to kind of stop because ultimately what you're doing when you're doing the shaking motion, you're just diluting and chilling. That's it. Super straightforward. So then you're going to strain. Uh, you can strain with what's called a Hawthorne strainer. This is this guy here. All it does is catch the ice. Uh, but sometimes, it, depending on the ice that you use, might actually break down a little bit more and kind of chip away. And so I use a mesh strainer as well, just so I don't have those ice chips sitting on top. Oh, that looks so good. Oh. There you go. Super good. And as I said, this is three ounces in your glass. And that's an exactly five ounce pour. So you're good to go. So, that's your espresso martini. So which your, is my your, favorite cocktail. Your your nerdiness may it makes you like the best uh, mixologist, I think. We need, to, we need to invite you. Uh, and, <laughs> <laughs> uh, mixologist is a pretty aggressive term. I, I reject I, your I, I, I don't I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anything about that. <laughs> I regret Basically, that I like, reject that. If I pick someone to make my drink, it's you. I think you stop before you get ahead of yourself. But no. Settle I, down, Art. <laughs> so, I mean, there's, there's a science to what you're doing, right? You just mentioned because we've all had our fair share of awful drinks when we go out. We've had our share of drinks that are on the cuff, on the fence. And then we've had great drinks. And it's always that, like, the anticipation if we're, you know, who's making the drink and if it's going to come out well, right? But if you follow these, I think, very basic, simple um, rules and, and approaches, you know, the results are f amazing, fantastic. I mean, I've been a part of many uh, cocktail sessions and webinars and demonstrations where it, the same drink that I've drank for so many years was reintroduced to me with just some very bis uh, basic uh, approaches and little slight changes. And it was Absolutely. a whole, it was a different drink. Absolutely. Well, I mean, and if you think about what what is a cocktail, right? Like, I think we haven't even addressed that yet, right? A cocktail is just spirit, sugar, bitter. That's it. Like the standard cocktail. That's why the old fashioned is literally just spirit, sugar, bitter. That's all it is. Um, you know, and there's obviously adaptations to it. Right? There's like family trees of sort of cocktails that kind of spread out from these classics. Um, and pretty much every cocktail can kind of be brought back to that. And I think that there's standards for a reason, right? And so... When I say that there's a three ounce build for most classic cocktails, it's because it's built from that particular type of cocktail family, right? For lack of a better term. Um, so when you have these sort of like over the top, really crazy ingredients that are always so like complicated and, you know, convoluted, you lose the spirit and you lose the kind of intention of the cocktail, right? <laughs> right? Like how many times have you had like an over the top, like, super gross frozen you know strawberry daiquiri or something like that it's like i'm just drinking sugar that's all i'm enjoying right now right so you're, you so you're saying it. i shouldn't go to tgi fridays for my cocktails every time listen i respect fridays for what it is they are great at flair bartending do not speak ill of TGI Fridays. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but i mean like there's standards for a reason right so like and i think right now what we're finding as the rum world and the spirits world in general is adapting people are 
at home, in, obviously with COVID and all of this, like at home, people are starting to appreciate cocktails and get a little bit nerdier, which is exactly why we're doing this right now. So like, <laughs> you know, like people are starting to kind of figure out why do I like what I like? Where, why, why did I enjoy that cocktail? How did they make it? Can I make it at home? These sort of things are starting to be, come to the forefront. So I think what's going to happen is we're going to have less of this over the top, crazy cocktail phenomenon that was here for a few years. And it's just going to be simple, mm. like easy, great execution, right? Like make a nice espresso martini, make a nice classic martini, like nice Manhattan, two spec, make a nice, you know, old fashioned, these sort of things. Like, I think people are going to start to appreciate that a little bit more because they're doing it at home, which is great. Um, and then, so, you know, again, like what is a cocktail right now? I mean, we just added bitter from our coffee element. We added sugar from our espresso and obviously from the simple syrup. And then we added a little bit of rum. That's it. It's the simple build of a cocktail. The other thing that we added is ice. And I cannot understate like, you know, or overstate rather the importance of ice uh, in your cocktail. So I recommend if you are an at-home cocktail person, invest in some like one by one small little like silicone cubes uh, and trays because you will have a very different cocktail experience with nice ice that breaks up evenly uh, as you are stirring and actually dilutes your drink evenly. Um, but again, that's a different tangent, but just food for thought. Yeah. <laughs> Can you just tell us the name of this guy that's next to you? Which one? The little guy to your, I think your left. Can you see him? He's right there. That guy? Yeah, that guy. You can see that guy? I can see oh. him. What's his oh, name? hey, bud. That's Cicero. You want to be a part of it, bud? Are you so cool? <laughs> you can get up here if you want. He's like, what are we doing? Sorry, I was just looking at him, and he's so cute. I was, I can't see my screen. I couldn't see. It was like my name is oh, blocking okay. him. Okay, I'm sorry. So I, was like, I, I, I saw I him there. Moment. I just wanted to know. I had that like creepy moment where I was like, who's behind me? <laughs> I was like, what are you seeing that I'm not seeing? Who's the guy with the Jason mask right next yeah, to you? Exactly. I was like, it's just a wall. I don't understand. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I, I just, I just, no, that's, that's, I Cicero. that's my, my little dude. He's a, he's the one that's been screaming in the background. Uh, <laughs> he's, a he's a cutie. He's a cutie. He is a cutie. Um, so, and then, uh, you know, moving forward in terms of our cocktails, so the espresso martini, I think is definitely on the rise. Uh, we're seeing it kind of all over menus and things like that throughout the city. Um, but I wanted to do kind of a fun cocktail for those that are maybe a little bit hesitant towards, uh, egg white cocktails Mm. or haven't really had an egg white cocktail. Um, and so, and go into sort of the other family of cocktails, which is the sour. Um, so sours are typically made with a citrus ingredient, right? To give it that sour element. Um, so it's spirit, sugar, bitter, and then citrus. So these are your sours. It's like the margarita, it's the daiquiri, it's those sort of cocktails that we're familiar with. Um, but egg white has been introduced into sort of the cocktail lexicon um, for what we call mouthfeel, right? It kind of enhances the overall mouthfeel of a drink. Um, it is safe for you to consume, no issues, right? We don't have to worry about anything like that. Uh, if anybody joining us is vegan and does not want to do egg white, if you're following along or just for you know future cocktail purposes, uh, chickpea water or aquafaba works yeah. very well. Uh, so you can do, yeah, so you can do like basically like if you just have a can of chickpeas, right, you can save that water and that will act as the sort of same emulsifying ingredient uh, as an egg white would. Interesting. So uh, I don't know uh, how that would work in other, you know, sort of culinary spheres, but in terms of the way that it works with cocktails, it's the same effect. Um, and then this also introduces a very interesting concept called the double shake. Um, so you may have seen this depending on where you're out and about. Um, so this cocktail is going to call for an ounce and a half of our Florida Caña uh, 12. And again, we're using the dark rum here or a darker aged rum because it has those sort of sweeter notes, even though it's a dry style, right? But it has those sort of bourbon notes from the aging. Um, so we want to be able to taste that through. Uh, okay, so this is going to be- repeat the, uh, the name? Because uh, you paused a little bit. What was the name? Uh, for which one? What, what you just said. Oh, so this is the New England Sour. Okay. Uh, okay. So, yep. So this is going to be with our Florida Kanye 12. And it's an ounce and a half. So just a half ounce more than the previous cocktail. Nothing crazy. Again, you're going to note that this is a three ounce build. Uh, from there, we're going to use Cheeky again. And this is their Cranberry Lemon. Uh, so Cranberry is really interesting. And again, it's something that because we're in New England in terms of sustainability, Cranberry has the same pH, like fresh cranberries have the same pH as lime. So you can utilize fresh cranberries as that sort of sour agent. 
uh, instead of having limes, right? Again, we don't have citrus here. So just ways to kind of combat that, um, depending on what you're trying to do for your cocktails. Uh, and I'm gonna use one full ounce here because this is a syrup. So it's their cranberry lemon syrup. Uh, so that's gonna act as kind of a nice little mix on my sour and my, uh, excuse me, my, um, my sweet. And then they have their lemon. This lemon here is going to be uh, shelf safe. So what that means is that it's uh, likely pasteurizer has like a, a shelf stabilizer in it. Um, so you can have it for a few more days than you would normally, or a few weeks rather, uh, fresh lime juice in your fridge. Uh, and we're only gonna add a half an ounce into this because again, it's gonna be pretty tart, right? So we wanna kind of counteract that. And then here comes the fun part, mm. egg white. Mm -mm -mm. So you're just gonna crack your egg and you're not gonna let the yolk fall in. Boop. Just let the egg white fall in, discard the yolk off to the side. And then what we're gonna do is we're gonna do double shake. Uh, so one is called a wet shake. You can imagine that that's with ice. And then one is a dry shake. So very straightforward. So what we're going to do is throw a couple of cubes in there. Doesn't have to be all the way up to the top. Doesn't have to be a whole lot of ice cubes as I'm throwing them around my dining room or my kitchen rather. And then we're going to aggressively shake this. Uh, reason being, again, we want to emulsify and really mix in those ingredients. Uh, so this one's gonna be pretty aggressively shaken and then we're gonna do it twice. That's number one. And then you're gonna strain into the exact same tin or glass or what have you. Remove the ice. So just like you would pour into a glass, you're just gonna do it right into your tin. You're gonna get rid of that ice from the tin itself. And then you're gonna shake what we call a dry shake. This has no ice in it. And then you're gonna do that for about the same amount of time. And it feels weird because there's no ice, so you're just like kind of awkwardly shaking, <laughs> putting a lot of effort into it. But then what you're gonna find is that you have a really beautiful cocktail. All right, I gotta see this. You're like, prove it, buddy. Oh, yeah. Yummy. And again, so, a five-ounce build. So, oh, that, look, that looks so good. What? Why like, are you in Somerville, the... dummy? Should have come to Brighton. <laughs> I know. We'll be your ass. I, I mean, I made it eight hours here. Good. I could have another half hour. I, I know, been only 20 more even. minutes. Yeah, 20 more minutes. 20 minutes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that looks minutes, so buddy. smooth. It looks very smooth. And so as you'll see, like, it's going to start to settling out right now. So you have like sort of that, like almost like a beer foam head on the top. That's just from the egg white. Uh, and all that does is, again, it, it helps with the mouthfeel, quote unquote. And I hate that term, but it's the best way to describe it. It's just the way that you feel while you're drinking the drink. <laughs> so I hate it, uh, but it's true. Textures, right? It definitely changes. The, exactly. It changes the texture. It's actually Foti's uh, middle name, but it, I don't understand why. So um, would you recommend all sour cocktails to be hit with egg whites? Sorry, I lost you guys for a minute there. You still oh, there? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that that. So do you recommend I heard something about Fulci's middle name and I don't even actually want to know the rest. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was I was very curious why you why you didn't laugh at my joke, but then now I understand. Okay. Well, because I, I feel like we're best friends now, so I don't have to laugh at all your jokes. <laughs> yeah. I don't have to pretend anymore. Uh, so <laughs> Um, exactly. So what, what happens with this particular drink is, again, it's a sour. So if this did not have the egg white in this drink, we'd have to modify the specifications and the recipe because it is very sour. Um, so what happens with this particular drink is the egg white smooths it out. The texture helps with the overall sour notes and it doesn't make it unpalatable. Um, so it's really important. Um, and it's really important to balance those ingredients with your cocktails. So you out there might enjoy a more sweet cocktail, add some sugar to it add more sugar to it, right? Like these are, you can tweak these ingredients to fit what you enjoy, um, but they're just kind of standard recipes being built within this sort of, again, the cocktail family tree. Um, and then the next cocktail I really wanted to do because it's fun and tiki and I love a good tiki cocktail. Um, what is like, what are your experiences with tiki? Like if you had good experiences, bad experiences, a mix of both? Um, yeah, I, I don't I'll remember. Say I, I, I want to say I don't remember it because they were so good. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, oh, no, well, I think like, actually, Kayla, um, can you tell us for our audience, because I'm sure the term tiki has been, has been uh, you know, placed in a lot of cocktail lists, but what is the definition of tiki? Yeah, so tiki is a really interesting concept because it harkens back, there's like sort of two like pioneers of tiki, right? And it all comes back to this sort of idea of Polynesian pop. So this sort of like escapism idea of what 
the Caribbean and Polynesia, so like Hawaii looks like, uh, and it's sort of like the South Pacific, right? And so you have these two, Don Beachcomber and you have Trader Vic, who are sort of these two bartending pioneers who bring this sort of idea of tiki, which is now how we understand it, like these tiki idols, right? Like this guy here, like little tiki mugs, and sort of these like exotic fruits, these exotic spices and rum in general to the cocktail world. Because if you think about it, this is in the 1920s, 1930s, you're in the middle of the depression, right? Like everybody's a little sad and a little broke. And you have these two guys who are coming and they were all on the West Coast, uh, coming from their travels in South Pacific or from their hard knock life, trying to create some sort of an escapism. Don Beach did it first. Uh, and ultimately what ended up happening is he was like, I love to travel. I traveled to South Pacific, I'm going to bring that to California. And so basically what he did is he kind of created this sort of weird escape. And it's sort of like a, a very hilarious image of itself, because it actually is not reflective of what anybody drinks within South Pacific, right? <laughs> but what he ended up doing was kind of creating this Polynesian pop. Uh, and so what ended up happening is people were really jazzed about like escaping from the BS and the hardships of the Great Depression, right? Uh, and so that's sort of tiki in a nutshell. That's why tiki has sort of this like kitschy, fun, over the top feel. It's because of the fact that you're trying to escape something, right? So it's these exotic fruits, it's these citrus fruits. And in California, he was able to do all of these things because he had citrus groves, right? So he was able to create these cocktails. Do you know what my uh, understanding of tiki is? My, my very first experience of tiki and Kayla, you might be too young to even I, I know you're going with this. I know you're going with this. Brady Bunch. The Brady Bunch in Hawaii when he put the tiki idol around his neck and it was all Greg, bad luck from there. Right, Brady. <laughs> but that's exactly it though, right? It's this idea that it's like this it's this like escape or it's like harkens to like this one particular image, this one particular cultural moment, yeah, yeah. this one particular space. Uh, and it's it's so fascinating because it's changed over the years and I think it's been lost in I would say between like the 30s and then really recently, uh, you know, there's been sort of this gap for about 80 years, give or take, right? Where it's kind of been this yeah. like horrible, horrible, aggressively sugary cocktail. We couldn't really find the recipes that were being served. We didn't really understand why they were being served, um, nor why the ingredients were what they were. Um, and now there's this resurgence of tiki as like sort of this niche bar market. I think it's super interesting. Um, and I mean, you, you know, there's... There's a whole bunch of tiki bars popping up all over and you're finding on menus, right? Not just dedicated bars, but tiki style cocktails. Yes. Um, typically speaking, your tiki cocktail, if you had to define something, would be largely rum based, right? Uh, usually with blends of rums from different parts of the world uh, because they all offer something very different. Uh, you have a citrus element and then you have spices and uh, you have bitters and you have sugar. So the spices are kind of something that is newly introduced uh, and so what we're going to create today is a coffee grog. So a grog is typically a cocktail that is made with rum, usually a navy strength. So something that was like over the top in proof uh, and then has a spice element mixed with a citrus element and a sweet element. And then obviously water, which is denoted as just water in most of the history text, but it has to do with obviously dilution. So easy. Uh, so, like yeah, so it's a really, yeah, really great cocktail. I, 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 Kayla, you're you're teaching me a lot of things tonight. Well, so we're not making a navy grog today because we're not using overproof. Uh, what we're going to be doing is what I'm calling the coffee grog. Uh, so well, it's going to be well, a little bit. everyday life is uh, navy uh, right. level. Right. <laughs> and mine is just grog, so I'm just always <laughs> groggy. <laughs> so uh, what we're going to do uh, as we wrap up with our final cocktail is going to be uh, 12 year, our espresso. We're going to use some lemon juice. We're going to use some bitters. We're going to use some pineapple juice to add a little bit of sweet and then a little bit of acidity as well. And then we're going to use some honey. So it's going to give it kind of a nice little balance across the board and then a little pinch of salt as well to kind of like pull everything together uh, in, in our tin. Uh, so this is the only cocktail that we're making that is not uh, a three-ounce build. This is a four-ounce build, a little bit, little bit higher. Um, but reason navy being, build. it's a navy build, you know, <laughs> top build. <laughs> I like it. So we're going to go just one ounce on the 12 year. And what you'll find in a lot of tiki cocktails is that there are a lot of ingredients, but they're usually smaller portions, right? So 
it's not going to be that you have an ounce and a half or two ounces of whatever. It's going to be like one of this, one of this, one of this. And it's all going to kind of come together in this really beautiful way. Uh, so then we're going to add one ounce of our espresso. Mm -hmm. Yum, yum, yum. Maybe I'll just deviate and I'll just make an espresso martini again. Really throw you guys off. <laughs> what are we going to do? Nobody knows. Uh, a little bit of lemon juice as well. Again, you need that citrus element. So that's just going to be a half ounce there. And I, I, you know, obviously play around with these ingredients. Like if you're picking up the cheeky things, like the cheeky ingredients, play around with them. They're a lot of fun. Um, and they vary from fresh lime juice or fresh lemon juice. So obviously just have some fun with your cocktails and honey. That's going to be our sweetener that's added in there as well. Half ounce of pineapple juice. This is just canned. Um, fresh is always best when it comes to really any juice. But again, keep in mind the sustainability portion of that. Like it's not entirely sustainable to be shipping pineapples all over the place. A uh, couple of dashes of Angostura bitters. Uh, and what bitters does to a cocktail is kind of what salt does to a dish. It pulls all of the ingredients together um, by adding that bitter component. And then I am actually going to add just a little pinch of coarse salt into my drink as well. I know, crazy. Why are you doing that? Again, that's just going to pull everything together as well. If you're missing something in a cocktail, if some of your cocktail ingredients are not popping, for lack of a better term, add just a pinch of salt. Really? See what happens. Because it's going to it, it expand some of those ingredients. Your sugars will be a little bit more vibrant. Your citrus will be a little bit more vibrant. So it's it's an odd thing to think about, but it does definitely work. <laughs> so then we add our ice. Again, we never add ice to our tin until we are ready to actually produce the cocktail. And do this without making a mess. And then we are going to shake. And the pineapple juice is going to have kind of a similar effect to uh, the egg white because it ends up actually really kind of foaming when you shake it, it's really beautiful. And then we're going to use a taller glass, Collins style glass. And then you're gonna do what we call just jump. So you literally just put it all right into your glass. Oh my God, that looks so good. And tiki is a lot of fun. You wanna have garnish on your tiki drink. We haven't added garnish to the other two because there's no reason for it, right? Garnish should be something that is useful. It imparts some sort of flavor for whatever reason. Uh, and so I'm gonna put a butt ton of mint into this drink <laughs> some dehydrated uh pineapple as well oh. and a tiny little orange just because it looks beautiful and again dehydrated so i can extend the use of that particular citrus fruit and then a reusable straw uh, rather than using plastic the reason for the mint on this is that we have coffee we have sugar we have citrus the mint is going to kind of pull it all together with the herbal quality and that's freshness um and about 60 percent give or take of your taste is your nose so that's the reason that we add these sort of ingredients into our uh, into our drink. And that's why mint is really important for a cocktail. So cheers. There's your grog. Wow. Looks so good. The only thing that's missing is us there trying those cocktails. Oh, and that was your call, this. not mine. Kayla, okay. you're, 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 the, you're, the, you're the one host who makes the fact that we're not there a true injustice. Because Your these fault, I refuse so to amazing. accept responsibility for that. <laughs> All right, so moving, forward, moving forward, we are going to be reporting live from Brighton. <laughs> yeah, we, we gotta, we gotta do, uh, you know, post vaccination or post COVID or like whatever, right. whatever happens. Like we gotta get with you to get some but, of these. Like they look amazing. This, they this, really do. This has oh, been... they all taste horrible. Don't worry, they're just <laughs> gross. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. It's a whole bunch of yuck in a cup. Who's going to help you now with these drinks? This one, two, three drinks there. You got to have to know. What do you mean? I got the dog. All right, fine. <laughs> but no, Kayla, what do you this, mean? this has been great. Um, as always, you know, you always uh, keep the, the, you know, pushing the level up as always with uh, with your demonstrations, your your plethora of information, your knowledge, your passion. And you, I and I also sense your your great devotion to the company that you work for. I mean, well, you, I can't, you can't not be devoted to this company. This yeah, this I mean, sounds like an amazing company, and Kayla has an in to get me in there. So yeah, right, so this actually might what? be the last time we all see Ari. He's going to be, you know, <laughs> filming down in Nika. The next one. Screw the wine club, right? Yeah, I'm uh, out of here. <laughs> why don't we? Um, why don't we take this time now that we're you know coming to the um, finale of the segment is to have our guests um, ask uh, Kayla or or us any questions about tonight's. Sure demonstration something about the cocktails maybe something about florida kanya um if we can leave it open please feel free to ask questions but i did see a comment that i want to address from one of our guests this evening from andrea 
who kind of I think give us a little bit of a fact check about about molasses uh, during the uh, right. I think Ari, if you can uh, find it, uh, I guess I got it right here for us. So Andrea, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for participating, and thank Andrea. you to the fact no, that uh, Andrea made it um, uh, put into the comment box that molasses was stored in Boston. The molasses that was stored in Boston actually was created uh, that created the Great Molasses Flood was used for the military. That's an int- you know I did I, I didn't know in, that it was used in munitions. Yeah, for uh, interesting. So thank you for I like it. Yeah. Uh, this is what Andrea, we Andrea, where were it. you on the night of the Great Molasses Flood? I want to know because <laughs> you got a little too much information here. Uh, uh, that is so interesting. I did not know that. Well, we I'm, I'm limited in my scope. well she uh, andrea also commented that this has been amazing thank you so much for hosting this event and that's basically all you kayla because right you really did you 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 brought the knowledge you brought the information i learned a lot like we we had uh, a webinar with you and i learned a lot then so this time around i was like all right now it's going to be about the cocktails and again i learned a lot and it's just amazing the knowledge you bring. And, and if you know, uh, we appreciate it so much. I appreciate it. If I can add a couple more notes uh, as we're as we're going through this, is that for our guests, you know, you can find the Floricania products, the twelve year, the espresso on our platform on our shopping cart at Urban mm-hmm. Wine Club. You can also uh, find the cheeky products um, also on the Urban Wine Club platform as well, and people can just. Simply order online, click, and we'll ship it right to their door. You you became a floating head now. Perfect. <laughs> Just so you know. Yeah, I like I like this little background situation that's happening. <laughs> it's like Max Hendrum over here. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, our goal here is to also not just educate, but we want to make it also a convenience uh, for our members and our guests that they can find these products as accessible as visiting our platform, our app, urbanwineclub.co, and our you know visit our website. And um, Kayla, once again, you are one of the best guest hosts we have. You bring so much to the table. You uh, you know your company is just amazing. Like seriously, like. Even without drinking it, I'm one of those weird people that like I taste the stuff that I think about, and like when you describe Flor de Cana, like I think about that a lot, and like I know the taste is good, but like with the knowledge in my head of what you guys do and what you guys represent, it's just so much better. Like support this company. This is this is a great it's, company. It's like drinking with a purpose, right? I mean, like there's a million brands out there. They you know, and not to, you know, keep anybody too much longer, but there, there are a lot of brands that have approached bartenders out there or, you know, mixologists or bar managers or whatever, like, because we have the, the, the cocktail knowledge, right? So it's easy to kind of like make that transition. Uh, but what ends up happening is that these brands come at these people and they don't have the same sort of like core pillars, right? The brand pillars to kind of like stand on. Um, and if I, if I don't work for Florida Kanye tomorrow, I would still drink Florida Kanye. Because Absolutely. of what the brand is, right? Uh, and it's not only, again, it's not only just great liquid in a bottle <laughs> from our four-year all the way up. It's it's just like the, the brand itself and the people that I've met and have had the privilege of working with uh, who produce it. I'm proud to do them the service to actually be able to serve, you know, these cocktails um, or they're just, you know, liquor to lips, quote unquote. That, you know? that's, why I, that's why I keep harping on the... the subject because it is so cool what you guys do like you know i can't get over it i just keep talking about it and it's so amazing because of that we're going to bring kayla back again so absolutely let our folks know that um you know kayla She she can't start our 2022 segments she has to come back before i know we need something in between we need something in between (laughs) but we did we did agree with kayla that we'll run a series with uh, kayla and forticanya seasonally there's going to be a great opportunity for different cocktails based on the seasons that we're going to roll into so i mean Mm -hmm. we're in winter now we're definitely going to have kayla back uh you know right when we get ready for the spring which i think is not that far away because i was told today that we're close to just 50 days till spring starts well, I was going to say, is it ignorant of me to say that, like, you're, you're, yeah, thank you, Fluffy. Is it ignorant for me to say that, like, it would be so much, like, is it, is, is spring and summer the rum season? I think it's all year round. 
I mean, it's all I, I year believe, round. I believe it's all year round, but I'm saying for the lay person. Yes, I think that that's a, you know, the, the cocktails that are created that are like citrus forward, like mojitos for the example, right? Like I don't want necessarily a mojito when I'm freezing, but yeah. it's sort of people don't understand or the misconception is that you can't enjoy rum as a sipping spirit. I want a nice glass of bourbon on a nice old fashioned, right? But you can absolutely have a rum old fashioned or a stirred yeah. rum cocktail, something spirit forward, something warming, uh, in those winter months, I think that right now, like the biggest challenge is to not just for Florida Cana, but for the rum category as a whole is to get people to understand that you can enjoy rum year round. Doesn't matter where you live, right? Like you can enjoy rum year round. Uh, so I think that's really important. And, and uh, uh, the cocktails that you made, like I'd say two of the three I would enjoy in winter. No problem mm-hmm. because they look smooth and they look. Very, very uh, let's be honest. If it was given to you at any time of the year, you'll drink it no matter what. Yeah, shut up. You're, you're drinking no me? matter what. I'll drink. Whatever, whenever, I don't care. Like, that's me. Yeah, what do you but mean? But I, I don't represent the normal person. We well, know this. We right. know on this. that note, on that note, we should all leave so that Ari and his, uh, yeah. his head but, can uh, fit on the screen. But again, <laughs> Kayla, thank you so much <laughs> for, for doing this for us. Uh, you've been great as always. Um, I'm, you know, you make me want to drink rum all day every time we talk. But uh, thanks again for your for your expertise. Uh, great showmanship. You, you, you know, you're... You're a wonderful person. Let's put it that way. You're awesome, awesome nerdy. All right, Ari. I think uh, we want to thank our guests. Thank you. I love working with you guys, and uh, I appreciate everybody. Excellent. Thank you. All right, Pothi, any oh. last thoughts? I just mentioned to our guests, you know, again, visit urbanwineclub.co. Download our app as well to get all the fun information about events. Um, also, all the great products that we keep loading to our platform. You can connect with other members on our app as well to share information about what's, you know, what's happening, what's trending, what's cool, what you're drinking. You know, follow all our social media. You know, on that note, Fati, if you have uh, more questions or if you want to understand more about Florida Kanya, uh, connect with us on the app. And, you know, we're going to we have uh, Kayla says we're, we're good friends now. So, you know, yeah. we'll directly connect with her. And Kayla, if you haven't yeah, joined the app, can you contact. download it? I don't think we missed you for the second there, Kayla. Oh, I didn't. I couldn't. You guys broke up a little bit there. Uh, I was going to say if uh, if people have questions uh, more about Florida Kanya, anything else, like connect with us on the app, and we'll ask you. And then I said maybe Absolutely. you should just download the app too, so you could be on there, so we could directly connect. With you. I love it. Done. No problem. Cool. Uh, it was amazing. Thank you guys so much for joining. Uh, to everybody that tuned in. Uh, and I hope that you enjoy some rum espresso martinis. Uh, I think that's like the easiest win out of all of these cocktails. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and, uh, you know, as always, thank you to Fulti and Ari for, for having us. And, you know, the Urban Wine Club is a great educational platform. And that's what we're all about. So thank you. keep it rolling. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys uh, not in 2022, but a couple more times this year. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> All right, Ellie, you're awesome. We thank you once again. Fati, thank you so much. Thanks, everybody out there for listening, for watching. We're going to post this uh, tomorrow, February 5th, and we will have all the links to Florida Kanya. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Kayla, again. Of course. You learned so much. You're awesome. We love you. I don't love Fati. He's mean to me, but it's his and birthday. And it's his birthday. <laughs> but we have to be nice to him. Thank you, Happy everybody. birthday, Sophie. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you, Kayla. Bye, guys. Thank you, you guys you so much. Week. See you. Thank you. Thank right. you. Good night, everybody. Thank you. Have Bye-bye. a good night.